Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I'll tell you right off the bat, some of you will not like this morning's message. Turn to your neighbor and say, you might not like this. But then tell him, listen anyway. I have to tell you that some of you that, are, that have preached or taught, you know how a lesson kind of evolves. It comes out, one, you start out one way and then you winds up kind of changing directions. This message ha- has evolved. And some of it changed even this morning. Because, see, the last week, week and a half, I've mulled over the thought about finishing the course. Running with patience the race that's set before us. I thought about those things, and, and um, then this idea came to me, and I just come up with this question. Have you ever thought about quitting? Have you ever thought about quitting? Or have you ever wanted to quit? Now, if you told me, no, I've never wanted to quit, I can tell you, you never worked watermelons in Florida sun. If you said, I've never wanted to quit, you've never loaded hay by truck lights because you knew you had to get it in before it rained. If you've never wanted to quit and you played football under some coaches that I know and you were under two a days in August in Florida if you don't want to quit something's wrong with you so I think all of us have thought about quitting what about you mamas mothers I appreciate you so much because many times you worked all day Maybe even had a job outside the home, came in and did everything. Then you have a sick kid. You stay up all night and you have to go to work the next day. Have you ever thought about quitting? Now, I know some of you have heard this story before. But, you know, that's the bad thing about staying so long after at the same church. You've heard the same jokes, you know. So if you've heard this one, laugh anyway. But there was a preacher that went to a conference. And it was a great, great conference. And the last day of the conference, the preacher in charge challenged them. Said, men, you that are preachers, you that are pastors particularly, your wife has an awesome load and responsibility. You need to treat her a lot better than you've been treating her. Well, this one preacher got so much under conviction, he stopped and got a dozen roses and a big bag of candy or a box of candy, you know, that expensive kind. And instead of just going in the door and saying, honey, what's for supper? He rung the doorbell. And he had a smile as big as outdoors on his face, and he had a dozen roses and a big box of candy. And his wife opened the door, and she started boohooing. 
And he said, honey, what's wrong? Said, you asked what's wrong? You've been gone living at a nice motel for a week. You've been gone and the car broke down. The washing machine messed up and flooded the, the laundry room. Two of the kids have been sick. The dog died. And now you come home drunk and you ask me what's wrong. <laughs> have you ever wanted to quit? What about when things seem hopeless? And I know you've probably faced it. I think the reality is certainly we all have. And if you say, Pastor, I've never had a day. I've never had a job. I've never went into something that I ever wanted to quit. Come by and talk to me. I'd like to see what it sounds like. Because sometimes we all reach a place. See, it's easier to quit. Now, each of us have a different personality. My personality is I'm not a quitter. I don't give up. If I fall from a 20-story building when I pass the 10th floor, I say, so far, so good. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not a, a, a quitter. My, my dad wouldn't let me quit. If I did, I knew what would happen. And the penalty for quitting was a lot worse than keeping on. My high school cross-country coach and track coach, he wouldn't let me quit. He said, quitting is habit-forming. How many knows that quitting is habit-forming? And it even becomes addictive. Now, I'm going to say this right off the bat, and I don't want any of you to get upset with me. But there's some of you that have been addicted to quitting. Because it's gotten easier as life went on. It's a lot easier to quit a job than to work through the hard times. It's easier to quit a marriage than it is to work through it. It's easier to quit than it is to keep going. And you've even got addicted to quitting. And so you just do it automatically. But you know what? That quitting is also contagious. Because when you quit, sometimes the people next to you want to quit. Because it's easier to walk off than to work through it. Now, as I researched this topic, I really didn't know where to start. I mean, like I said, I've been thinking about it a couple of weeks. Where do you start? And I really didn't know where to start. And I, like I told the people in the 8 o'clock service, most of you say, as long as I know when to end, it's okay. Where do you start? Because when we realize the word quit, see, that's a relatively new word. And guess what? You won't find it in some translation of the Bible. It's in there a few times, but sometimes it's in the King James Version. doesn't even mean to quit. So what does quit mean? The Bible indicates that there are some things we should quit doing. According to Ezekiel, it says we're Quit robbing and cheating people. Jeremiah says, quit your evil ways. Ephesians says, thieves, quit stealing. Now, I, I, I like the way it says, thieves, quit stealing. Because 
I think we have a cop out here in our, in our culture today. We want to blame everything on something. Well, pastor, I just have a problem. I was born to steal. <laughs> I know some of you laugh at that. But I've had a lot of people say, well, pastor, it's just my personality. I speak out. Bless your heart. God may be wanting to change that personality. <laughs> There's some things we need to quit doing. And he tells the thieves, quit stealing. And let's quit making excuses. And I realize there are many people have issues and struggle with it, even illnesses. But folks, it's time for us to quit making excuses for ourselves. Before we leave this thought, let me tell you something else we need to quit doing. We need to quit complaining. We need to quit griping. We need to keep quit worrying and fretting. Those things are not of God. We need to quit some things. But now, what about some things in the Bible that indicate we shouldn't quit? Now, this is part that I know some people don't like. Because there's some people give you the idea, once you get saved, life is rosy. You'll never have another struggle. You'll never be faced with the temptation to quit because everything is going smooth. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says you will have tribulations. The Bible says we must endure. And you know, even the word patience that we don't like to use, the word patience in the Bible literally means patient enduring. Run with patience. In other words, don't quit. We get the idea we can stop when we get tired. So what's the key? How do we not quit? Now, folks, I want you to know, if you get quiet on me, I preach longer. <laughs> so what's the key? Well, I believe we need to follow Jesus' example. How many thinks that's a good key? How many knows that Jesus didn't throw in the towel? He picked up the towel. In the upper room, he didn't throw in the towel. It would have been very easy for him to throw in the towel because he was getting ready to go to the cross. After he left there, he was going to go out in the garden and pray. He was going to pray, not my will, but thy will be done. But I want to tell you, it would have been very easy for him to throw in the towel. But he said, I'm going to pick up the towel. Why? Because he wasn't going to quit and he had ministry to do even though that he knew in just a few hours he would leave that room go out in the garden and pray and be arrested. But he didn't quit. You know what he did? He surrendered. He surrendered. Now, did he surrender to Satan? No. He didn't surrender to Satan because Satan would have tried to get him to bypass the cross. I said Satan would have tried to get him to quit. But he didn't give to Satan. He surrendered to the will of God. See, surrendering to Satan is destruction. Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But surrendering to God is life and life more abundantly. This morning, I want to look at three main passages of Scripture. Many more examples in the Scripture. But I want to look at three of them and see what we can glean from them. Some very familiar stories. One of them is a story about Elijah. It takes place in the book of 1 Kings. We don't have time to read all of that story, but I encourage you to read it. But let's look at some scriptures. Let's begin in chapter 17. And I know some of you say, well, Pastor, we've talked about Elijah recently. Yes, we have. Bear with me. It's a little bit different. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. He says, it's not going to rain until I tell it to rain. In other words, I prayed about it. God's instructed me. And until I say it's going to rain, it's not going to rain. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Now, many of you have heard me say this, but the reality is, why did the brook dry up? Because of answer to prayer. He said, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. It had been a conversation between him and God. And the brook dried up. Now, many of us here today, many of you online have a huge prayer list. There's nothing wrong with having a prayer list. We need to have a prayer list. We need to document answered prayers. And many of us have a huge prayer list, and that is okay. But don't be surprised when God begins to move that complications set in. Yeah, you heard me right. The brook may dry up. Because God is working to answer your prayer. And we say, well, God, I want you to answer my prayer, but it's got to be painless. God, I know that you can meet my financial need, but you know, I can get these easy monthly payments. Complications, Brother Brown set in sometimes. Because God's answering prayer. The brook dried up. Why? Because it didn't rain. Why did it not rain? Because he had prayed that it wouldn't rain. So complications may arise. Your brook may dry up. But does that mean it's time to quit? No. No. Let's, let's read on. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to bring it. And she called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said... 
as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. He said, listen, you take care of me and God's going to take care of you. Now that's easy enough, but I want to point out something. This story goes contrary to some teaching today. This is one of the points some of you won't like. I don't like it either. But it's the word of God. If you go down to chapter 18, it says, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In the third year. We don't know how long a time this is, but somewhere between six months and three years. That he lived with that woman and her son. And they ate lobster. No. And they ate steak. No. They ate bread and water. We used to call it hoe cakes when I was growing up. Cook them on the fire, you know, get a frying pan, make a hoe cake, and they were good, but I wouldn't want them for three years. We get the idea somewhere that when we become a Christian, God's going to let us eat steak every day. Folks, if that's true around your house, I don't want it every day, but can it come by once a week? <laughs> they had it. And I'm sure there were times that they probably said, I wished I had something else, but they were glad to get the bread and water. Somebody asked me this morning how the news in, in Cuba is. It's not doing good. I haven't heard any recent news, but I know that they're getting close to starvation in many times. Even those that are Christians, they're struggling they're struggling. And I'd like to say, well, they don't have to. We, can send a, we can't send them money. Or we can't send them food. And even if they have money, there's no food to buy. Sometimes it's going gets rough. Sometimes we want to throw in the towel. And sometimes we quit. want to quit because our brook dries up. And our, all we've got is bread and water. But guess what? As long as we have the bread and water, God's going to keep us going. God doesn't make an issue of it. But it's quite plain that for many days, Elisha, or excuse me, Elijah and the widow and her son lived on bread and water. But did Elijah give up? Did he throw in the towel? No, he continued his ministry. He continued doing what God called him to do. He did not quit. He even raised that widow's son from the dead during this time. Now let's go on with the story. He went to Mount Carmel. And he issued a, a challenge. And said, okay, all you prophets of Baal, you come and I'm going to represent God, Jehovah God, and we're going to see whose God is strongest. We're going to see which God answers. 
You know that story if you don't read it. But we know that fire came down from heaven and not only consumed the sacrifice, but it consumed the water, burnt the altar. Everything was consumed by that fire that came down from heaven while the prophets of Baal got nothing. So after that fire, Elijah went a little bit further up the mountain and began to pray. And he told his servant, go look at the mountain and see, see uh, up the mountain and see if you can see any clouds. Now, I don't know. I just know for me, if I was that servant, that probably after about the fourth time, I'd have looked at him and said, why? I just went up there. There's no clouds in sight. Let me just quit. He said, no. Go again. And on the seventh time, he finally saw a cloud the size of a hand. And what was his response? Elijah said to the king, now this was his enemy. Ahab was the one that put out an order for his death. He said, go up and eat. There's a sound of abundance of rain. God heard his prayer. Was he tempted to quit? I'm sure he was. Matter of fact, we see the next issue of the story. Elijah went out into the wilderness and he had a pity party. Now, I think this is an important part. Because, see, some of you have a tendency to quit, while some of you have a tendency not to slow down. Using modern terminology, I believe we could say God told Elijah, hit the pause. Hit the pause button. He might have even said, hit the reset button. He might have even said, you need to reboot. How many of those doing those things is not quitting? That's rejuvenation. And some of you need rejuvenation, so don't confuse that with quitting. God's telling some of you, yeah, you don't need to quit. You just need to take a break. You need to rewind. You need to pause. You need to reboot. You need to reset because I've got more for you to do, but you can't do it when you're whipped. And then I run into another passage that this is one of those that changed my thinking kind of in midstream. Because I read something in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 38. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel. If you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared 
and this city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then this city shall be given into the land of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their land. When I read that, I began to realize something, because I kept looking up quitting, and I'll notice this word surrender. And I realized that surrender and quitting is not the same thing. I'll never quit. But surrendering to God's will is not the same as quitting. I said surrendering to God's will is not the same as quitting. You know what the word surrender means? To cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority. To submit to their authority. Have you noticed when we worship God, what is one of the primary positions of worship? Now, I know you can lay on the floor. I know you can walk. I know you can do it. There's a lot of positions. But how many thinks probably the most well-known one is the raising of hands? How many of you watch enough Westerns to know that that's a sign of what? Surrender. I give up. I give up. I surrender. God, I'm not quitting, but I surrender to whatever you would want me to do. I want to submit to your authority. I surrender. And that's what God told through Jeremiah, Zedekiah to do. He said, I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to surrender. But notice what it says in verse 30, chapter 39, verse 4. When Zedekiah, king of Judah, and all the soldiers saw them, they fled, going out of the city at night by the way of the king's garden, through the gate between the two walls. And they went toward the uh, Arabah, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued them, and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. And when they had taken him, they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, and he passed sentence on him. The king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah at Riblah before his his eyes and the king of Babylon slaughtered all the nobles of Judah. He put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in the chains to take him to Babylon. The Chaldeans burned the king's house and the house of the people and broke down the walls of Jericho. Broke down the walls of Jericho. Then what, what did he tell him? Now, Brother Brown, I, I never noticed this before. If he would have surrendered to God's will to think that maybe, maybe Jerusalem would not have been destroyed. Because didn't he tell him, he said, your kids will not die. But if you'll surrender. Now we know that Babylon was an evil kingdom. But many of us are fighting quitting because we don't want to surrender. Before we look at the last example, let's go over to the book of Romans. 
Because, see, some of you are saying, Pastor, I don't have a choice. I've got to quit. It's hopeless. I see no way out. Surrendering is really not an option, but quitting is because it's hopeless. I want you to understand something. I'm not belittling or making fun or ridiculing any of your positions because many of us have faced something in our life that totally appeared hopeless. But notice what it says. Chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Now, I don't know if you catch that or not, but it says, when you're hopeless, let the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. How many of you need some joy and peace today? We have to receive that when we surrender to God. When we surrender to God and say, God, you're a God of hope. I need your hope because it's hopeless. Only thing I've got left to do is surrender to you. Well, pastor, I, I, I don't believe that. I, I believe that if we get, become a Christian, everything gets smooth and we don't have any difficulty. Well, look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, or these bodies, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We, now who's the we? That's the church. We are afflicted in every way. We're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because greater is he that's within us than he's within the world. Our God is able. And as we surrender to that will of God, the God of hope, he lets us know that we're going to make it. Acts chapter 21. One of the saddest but yet joyous verses, passages in the Bible. Acts 21 verse 11 Agabus came down from Judea. Agabus was a prophet. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hand and says, Thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt. Whose belt was it? It's Paul's. Agabus was a prophet. And he came and he said, I want Paul, give me your belt. And he took his belt and wrapped it around his head and said, this is what God says. And when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul, don't you go. Didn't you hear what the prophet said? But Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart? They were begging him not to go. Said, if you go, you're going to be arrested. He said, for I'm ready 
not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, he didn't die in Jerusalem, but he was arrested in Jerusalem, taken to Rome. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. you mean that these godly people that the church there was fighting and telling Paul don't you go to Jerusalem because you're going to be arrested until they reached a place of surrender to the will of God surrender to the will of God Robert Moffat made this statement. Oh, that I had a thousand lives and a thousand bodies. All of them should be devoted to no other employment but to preach Christ. Now, I know you're probably just like me. I had no idea who Robert Moffat was. I like the quote, but who was Robert Moffat? He was born in 1795 in Scotland and became a missionary And he lived until he was 87 years old. He went to Africa. And Robert Moffat had 10 children, as well as adopted several children. And you may say, I've never heard of Robert Moffat. Maybe you've heard of his son-in-law. His oldest daughter married somebody by the name of Dr. David Livingston. Moffat went many days without water. Got so much he couldn't even speak. And he often had no food to eat. And he would literally bind his stomach to help him endure going without food. Because he had none. But Robert Moffat never quit. He surrendered. He surrendered. Now, I realize this morning, ever how many people we have here, we've got that many people in different places in their walk with God. And I realize that this message covers a wide spectrum. Some of you need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged to put your trust in God, not man. I've been reading Jeremiah and Isaiah a lot. And you know what keeps coming out? Don't put your trust in Egypt. Don't you put your trust in the armies of someone else. Don't put your trust there. Put your faith and trust in God. Now, I'm not speaking against politics. I would encourage every one of you to be involved politically. Everybody needs to vote. But folks, I want to tell you something. Our help does not come from, the, from politics. Our strength comes from God. And some of you need to be encouraged to put your trust in God, not man, not politics, not even the United States of America, but to have faith in God. Some of you need to be encouraged to break the addiction of quitting. 
And I'm going to tell you, it's a big addiction. You're used to quitting. And I'm not saying this derogatory. I'm not slamming you. I'm just telling you that you're used to quitting. When the going gets rough, you throw in the towel. Can't keep a job. And then you wonder why you can't be trusted. Can I tell you something? The word believe, whosoever believeth in me, literally means trust in God. And until you can be consistent, you cannot be trusted. So you need to break the addiction. I don't say, well, I don't have that addiction. Okay, it's a habit. But you need to break it. Need to break it. Some of you need to be encouraged to embrace the God of hope. Because I realize some of you say it's hopeless. What do you think the woman that came, that opened up her house to Elijah felt? He said, give me something to eat. And she said, I don't have enough. All I've got enough is just for my son. We just eat one more and that's our, it. We're hopeless. But this man of God brought hope. God is a God of hope. So if you're hopeless, can I encourage you to embrace the God of hope? Some of you need to be encouraged to pause, to refresh, to reboot. Now, I want to tell you, some, some of you that don't have a clue what I'm talking about here, ignore that part. But some of you know what I'm talking about. I tell people all the time, my wife can work circles around me. I'm not afraid of work. I can sit right down next to it and it don't bother me. But some of you need to refresh. You need to pause. You need to reboot. And some of you need to be encouraged to surrender to the will of God. And you say, wait a minute. I don't want to surrender to God. And he'll make me. God will never make you do anything. But when we surrender to him, that means we submit to his authority. And we say, not my will, but thy will be done. I want you to think about that. If Jesus said that, and he knew what God wanted him to do, how much more do you think we may need to say? Oh, pastor, I think that's a cop out praying that God would have his will. Listen, he knows better than I do. And I know some of you are saying, but pastor, you know the Bible tells me that he will give me the desires of my heart. It says that. But read the rest of the verse. Read the surrounding scriptures. It says, if we submit to him and acknowledge him, then he'll give you the desires of our heart. Let me put that in Oxford English. If you start yielding to God, he will cause your will to be mixed up with his will. And every one of the desires you have will be yours. Amen. After you submit to God. So I ask the question again. Have you ever wanted to quit? Don't quit. Surrender. 
I will ask the worship team to come. And as we're partaking of communion, I want you to let this message apply to you. As I've already said, every one of us will be a different way. And can I ask you just to surrender? <laughs> surrender that habit of addiction, of, of quitting, submitting and surrendering to God's will. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.